Hey everyone, I'm Louie. And I'm Valerie, and this is Musical Tangents. Where we just talk different things about music. Welcome! I could talk about my experience at um, punk shows recently. Let's do, Let's start with that. Okay. So, recently... I okay. Let me preface. I'm a classical, classically trained musician. I am in college, as like a con- like studying piano, classical piano. But recently, I don't know how or why, but I've been invited into the punk scene of my community, and honestly, it's been great. They're really fun, and honestly, like the nicest people that I've ever met. Like, unlike their music. <laughs> yeah, I mean their music. My and some of the stuff they say, they're like it's like rar, but they're actually pretty cool. So last night I've been to a few punk shows, but last night was the first time I'm. The way this one's set up, it's like kind of just like out on a street, and the show is like in this little garage. Um. But I actually went into the garage this time because usually they're moshing in there. I'm not a mosher at all. I don't even know what that is. You don't know what moshing is? Okay, so it's like, you know what the pit is at a concert? I guess not. I I don't know. Louie, what the heck? Okay, so it's basically like you're in this garage and they have their little stage area. Uh Uh-huh. Moshing is basically everyone is jumping around and beating each other up. What? <laughs> You've never have you okay, have you never seen like punk in like a movie or anything? Or watched a punk documentary? No, I think I have. Or at least I thought I did, but maybe not. <laughs> I I guess not. So you go in and like the music when the music starts, they just start like jumping around and they're like hitting each other. Be like <laughs> not in like a not in like a FCC way, but in like a what way. Oh, okay. I wish this was filmed <laughs> so you could see my um um Well, I mean the arms. listeners might understand it better than I do, of course. Yeah, so. they'll un- understand my subliminal messages <laughs> through the microphone. Okay, but that's what they're doing. Um and honestly, it's really fun. <laughs> and I would do it again. Um and shout out Super Shotgun in Lexington. They're really cool. Um, Are they a local band? Yeah, they're a local band, and I'm um, I'm friends with a few of the members. They're really cool. But yeah, honestly, going from like early well earlier that day, I gave like a show a presentation on Chopin and how his like the like po- how political turmoil affected his compositions, and then like a few hours later, I was in a garage at a punk show i was like what is life (laughs) i mean they might not be too far apart who knows maybe 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 chopin was considered a punk star maybe chopin was rocking out in the early 19th century hey all i know is that some of his pieces don't sound like any of the romantic composers pieces so that's all i know um well that's true so, okay, but tell me a little more about, like, the... You mentioned to me, just, this is this was off the record, but you told me that Lexington 
Kentucky has a really big punk scene. Yeah, it's definitely growing. I mean, if you don't, I just didn't know. I'm like, maybe I'm just ignorant. I just didn't know it existed until like I made friends with some of the people that are like in the bands. Um, But yeah, it's big and it's thriving and most of the people are pretty cool. Um, They have shows all the time and they're really fun. I just like, I don't know, I'd like been to, I go to local shows like all the time, but it's mostly like indie bands and then you kind of leave and you're like, oh wow, I just listened to an hour of only cover songs. (laughs) Hmm. Um, Well, so let me ask you this. So also before I ask the next next question, can you actually explain like what your role is at um, the, 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 the work? So, can you explain to us about your work-related things? My work? What do you mean? So, like, you work for... I don't I don't know the radio station. Uh, the... Uh, I work, w, WRFL? Yeah. yeah, I work at a radio station. And that's really cool, because I get to network with, like, a few artists. I'm not, like, in one of the, like positions where I'm like really talking to artists or like doing reviews or meeting local artists um because that's just not like what my position does but like by proximity I get to meet some really interesting people um so yes that's that's what I do so first of all the reason why I wanted to kind of like let the listeners kind of hear about what you do at WRFL because this is this is sort of what I've observed. I don't know if this is true or not. That's why I needed to uh, give you a little more credibility. Okay. How many people in Lexington do you think actively listen to radio? Oh, that's a really good question. We have the statistics for it. Um because we not we go through the airwaves like for radio but we also stream it and i'm not like 100% sure what our statistics are but the last time i was told is that like at any given point we have about 3000 listeners okay so that's not a, yeah that's but, not small yeah no between the radio waves and the streaming platform and the streaming platform people can listen from like anywhere in the world you just have to have you know internet access that yeah so the reason why i ask that is i feel like in the past radio stations really played a vital role and i mean they still do in promoting different artists work and i i just i this is just based on my memory now so i do remember going to one of the radio stations in louisville so and i went there as like a high school field trip I think it was a class about American music history. So it was covering okay. basically rock and roll, mm-hmm. blues and uh, rhythm and blues and how it evolved into the scene of musical genres that we have now in America specifically. So we went to see like a local band in Louisville um, called Silver Spoons and okay. uh, and I just remember that the radio stations, you know, or at least to my knowledge, I didn't really think that the radio stations were relevant to people's lives anymore. But then again, when people are just in the car, 
I feel like they just listen to radios more than oh well, maybe they stream. I don't know. I I used to drive a car where I couldn't connect my phone to the Bluetooth or anything like that. So I would just yeah. I just hit play the radio. So I mean, I think it's it's a really interesting topic because like a、um, hundred years ago or even just like. Thirty years ago, radio was like the main way for people to get their music out there, and it was the main way that like a lot of people got their first like encounter with music. Um, so I think it's a really interesting thing, and like now we have platforms like Spotify, Apple Music, um, that have kind of taken over that, and I think there's good things with both of them. I mean, like with Spotify. I can listen to whatever music I want whenever I want to, but I think there's like a nostalgic character to radio in that like the DJ might not be playing something I would like ever listen to on my own, but it's exposing me to something new or something that I would have never found on my own, and I think there's value in that. Well, and I think also, yeah, I I mean, and it's personalized it- too.、Um, like their show is personalized to. Their DJ personality and there, like a lot of DJs, do put a lot of thought into like the playlist that they curate、oh, sure. for their show. No, but I think one of the one of the reasons why I was so interested in that topic, particularly in this case, is because, I mean, obviously, I'm not like. I'm not a punk fan. I don't know all the artists. That... Oh, I'm not like I'm not super into it either. But hanging well, I mean, out with but them is you're, really fun. Yeah, you you have. I'm sure you have more personal encounters with them than I do. But I, I guess my next question then is, or I guess not a question, but like more of a commentary. I I feel like radio stations do a really good job. Of promoting the work outside of social media, so like、mm-hmm. when I say that, I mean you know people who might not know some of the local artists who are making original music in Lexington, Kentucky, might not know that they exist because social media is going to push more of the big、40. corporate、mm-hmm. music, you know, like the music industry, and and also something else that I always like to point out is that. Yes, it's easier to publish your music onto streaming platforms. I feel like there are a lot of online services that you can easily go through and publish your music and let other people listen to that music, and that's easier, right? So, like every practically everyone, I'm not gonna say everyone just yet because there are people. Are much older than I guess us who <laughs> might not have an, like accessibility、streaming. issues. Yeah, but streaming platforms really don't make a lot of money, or they don't provide a lot of money to the artists. No, there was a oh my god, who was it? There was a Spotify Wrapped like message. Did you get your Spotify Wrapped? Do you use Spotify? I do use Spotify, but I don't know if I got a message or not. There was a Spotify Wrapped, and oh my god, I saw this video recently. It was this old. It was like a artist. It was an older artist. Oh my god! I wish I could remember who it was. But he was like, he was like, I got X amount of millions of streams this year, and I made like a hundred dollars or something yeah, crazy like that. I mean, Spotify, I think, is more infamous about it. 
I'm not gonna lie, because I mm-hmm. think when you when you look at the breakdown of what the artists actually get out of the streaming packages and you know just income based on streaming mm-hmm. number of streams, I guess Spotify has the lowest number by far. I mean that's yeah, and that's I is that I don't know the statistics, but I feel like that's the most used. Platform. Well, it's either that Apple Music or maybe Amazon Music, but Amazon Music can't even compare to the number. Yeah, it's usually I would say Apple Music versus Spotify, but mm-hmm. Spotify probably have taken more people than Apple Music simply because actually uh, Spotify is not is non Apple product. Therefore, if people are using like Samsung phones, yeah, they don't have true. Apple Music. They or they don't have it as a native app to yeah. their phones. So it's not the most optimized version. So I think that's one of the reasons why Spotify is more used. And well, it's I, also just a, it's a more aesthetic platform. And I like how I feel like Spotify is better at giving you new music than Apple Music is. I feel like Apple Music is trying to get you to listen to albums versus Spotify is trying to get you to make playlists. That's just been, like, my experience with it. Yeah, Like, the way the platform yeah. is set up or, like, the I, app is. I actually, yeah, that's another thing that I feel like is missing nowadays is that, again, I'm not saying that making a playlist is wrong, like, with individual songs. Louie, what no, are you about to say? No, I'm saying that I feel like... And this is a partial question. Do you think less people are interested in a whole body of work, like listening from the first track to the last track of the album, than just if they like one song and one song only, they're just going to listen to that and they're going to put that into the playlist? No, people No, people listen to albums. Like, through, like, I always do that, and I know lots of people do that, but then they pick out their favorites and they put them in their little curated playlist. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just feel like I, I have had. I don't. I, I guess I'm more used to Apple Music because that's just the platform that I've been using for such a long time. Yeah. And I kind of joined Spotify partially because uh, Apple Music doesn't have a lot of K pop. Oh, Therefore, if my sister wanted to use Apple Music, oh. she couldn't really access to any of the K-pop music outside mm-hmm. of any Korean streaming platforms. Mm. Therefore, Spotify became a really more accessible platform for her. Whereas for me, it's like... I don't use, I don't have to like seek out that kind of album. So, you know, like... I. I didn't care as much as she did, obviously. Yeah. But I I don't know. I think it's fascinating, though, because even in even when uh, the Queen was active with Freddie Mercury, they even oh. had a song about Radio Gaga, which was ha- which had a sentimental tone towards mm-hmm. the idea of listening to radio. Yeah, which is so bizarre because that kind of tells me that. Even then, as soon as a television became more we of radio a... Radio <laughs> Yeah, and then people stopped listening to, or I guess paying attention to the radio mm-hmm. as much. 
I don't know. That's another but interesting aspect. It is so interesting to me because that used to be like a lot of people besides like like written media with newspaper that was like their main way of getting information radio yeah it was yes. through the radio whether through that's how they got their news that's how they got their like shows like um radio shows radio shows radio dramas their music yeah. that was like until television that was like the main way and like when television first came out it was super expensive so not everybody had one so i just think it's really interesting how just technology progresses and I mean, technically, our little phones are, like, really high-tech radios. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also, I think... And again, this is just based on my observation. I think people are more engaged when they listen w- without any visual cues. I mm-hmm. think that's actually... There is a study, actually, done on, like, the narratives told just audio-wise... Not music, but, like, just, you know, like, the dramas. The reason why radio dramas were so popular was because the audience members who are listening to it felt like they were imagining the scenes with just the audio, right? So, they, I think they had more power and control in imagination, I guess, and versus, I feel like, we're more visual well i don't know people love audiobooks and podcasts now i can't stand audiobooks i'm not gonna lie i feel like i think last year for christmas one of my sisters got me a subscription to audible Audible? Uh i don't think i ever used it but in my defense i'm a college student who doesn't who doesn't have time for that right now well i guess but like some people no that's not true either because some people when they have to do long drives you know what their favorite thing to do is? Some people love listening to audiobooks of their favorite novels. Novels, And I'm just like... I honestly, <sighs> I can see. I haven't actually put the time and effort into it. But, like, I like listening to, um, like... Have you ever listened to, like, um, murder mystery podcasts or, like, storytelling <laughs> podcasts? If you're on a long drive and, like, sometimes just, like, whatever music I put on, I feel like it's, like making me sleepy even if it is like more energetic music and so i'll put that on so i don't feel like so lonely <laughs> in the car so you just you just feel like you're listening to someone telling you yeah, the story like you, personally feels, yeah it feels like you're having a conversation with somebody in the car not in like a weird creepy way but like a <laughs> i didn't like ask you way. if it was a creepy way but now i got <laughs> no but like i i think that's really interesting to me is that everyone you know, that that's another thing is that if you go up to students, because since you're in college and I'm not, if you go up to college mm-hmm. students and you ask them, do you think you, you're a visual learner or um, auditory learner? Chances are, I think most of the students will tell you that they're visual learners. Mm, probably, maybe. I think they will. Um, and I don't, in reality, I don't think that's true. I think most of them... Well, first of all, they use multiple senses to learn, mm-hmm. right? So it's there's nobody who's going to uh, be truly just visual learner versus auditory learners. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that more people will say that they're more inclined to use visual cues and visual memories and things like that. I don't know. For me, I feel like I learned through visual cues as well, but I don't think... I I don't know about you, but 
it's really weird for me. Like certain things are very crystal clear in my head. Mm-hmm. If I close my eyes, I can tell you some of the scenes in a movie very dis- in a descriptive way. But sometimes I can't do that with all of the information. And I, I, I feel like the information that I can't do that didn't have any auditory cues. Mm. So, like, if I, if I had movies, most of the time have auditory cues, right? Yeah. Either actors are speaking or there's some, some kind of sound. I don't know. Like, it doesn't have to be just actors speaking or music. It can be just sound of nature, Right. And the actors moving around and there's sound to movement, by the way. So, you know, like if that's picked up, sometimes Mm -hmm. that I cannot do that if I'm just reading a textbook. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why. Okay, that brings up like some people read and there's a movie playing in their head and some people read. Okay, I I have like a little movie in my head, but some people they just read and they're just reading the words. And there's no little movie playing in their head. Yes, I've heard that. And that, yeah. like, that blows my mind. Because, like, I can't, I can't not do that, if that makes sense. I understand, yeah. Like, y- like it's just so ingrained in you. It was just like, a, it's, I guess it's just the way my mind processes that information. Maybe, maybe that has something to do with, like, being a visual learner. Like, I need to see it, like, happen. It can be, but I also think... You know, you mentioned about reading and and let's so for a second, let's stick to reading. I think reading. We do that more often with reading because there's no other cues. Like there's no other sources of imagination. If you're just reading the words and you're reading a fiction, Mm -hmm. it wouldn't really like you have to attach a meaning to it. Otherwise, you're not engaging with the material. Yeah, and I think that's the same way with reading, like, sheet music, too. Oh, I'm sure. Like, I'm sure. when I'm reading sheet music, and I didn't kind of think about it this way until I got, like, met my college professor, but kind of, like, having, like, like the little story behind, like, what you're doing and giving, like, characters to the little, like, m- motives and passages that you're playing through, that really helps, and it really helps with memorization, because it's like I'm going from one scene to the next rather than thinking I've got like a one chord, a four chord, a five chord. And also I think that's the reason why, like for us, the reason why we like to visualize some of the stories. And even when we're just reading plain text, mm-hmm. the reason why we like to visualize things might be because in a sense, we're giving it justification. So mm-hmm. have you ever thought, you know, like it's really now now we're getting a, a, a little more comfortable and getting a little more interesting because <laughs> I'm geeking out. So, okay. like, for example, you know, like for. I don't know. Are you a fan of Tarantino films? I I don't know. What? Give, what's a Tarantino film? Uh, like Pulp example. Fiction, Django Unchained. OK, I, I've seen Django, I've n- I hate to admit, I've not seen Pulp Fiction yet. No, 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 that's okay. But, like, I feel like some of the movie directors who write their own scripts okay, kind of have explained this in multiple platforms. Mm-hmm. Interviews, podcasts, whatever. It's fascinating to me the way they tell the stories. Because, you know, 
not all stories are going to be told in a chronological way. Yeah. It uh, plot wise, yeah, there's a beginning, middle, and an end. Mm-hmm. But the beginning, middle, and an end in a plot does not equate to stories beginning, middle, and an end. Yeah, a really good example of that is um, Greta Gerwig's Little Women. Have you seen that? I have not seen that, but it's I know it's really good. Okay. Um, I just well, I love the book Little Women, and I love the movie. I also saw recently like a play version of little women that was also yeah anything about little women is usually pretty good but like greta gerwig's version well that's because it was a solid literary source yeah 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 that Um, tends to be a better choice of adaptation for multiple forms of sometimes sometimes yeah yeah not always but Uh, i think it gives people a little more a little better chance to yeah and it's always fun to compare the book oh yeah absolutely but anyways um that movie kind of like it's not like really explicit when you're watching it, but it's going back and forth. It's like the book is set up in a way like when they're young and when and then like a few years later uh-huh. is basically kind of how the book is divided. And a big dividing factor in the book is one of the main characters mm-hmm. die. Um, I, I won't give any spoilers, but in the movie, instead of like outright being like first part second part they're kind of layered on top of each other yeah and it's really it makes it really fun and interesting to watch and it makes the movie feel a bit faster paced and it makes you like feel like more like more engaged like i i need to be paying attention because i don't know when they're gonna go back and forth again no i i agree i think my example was going to be uh there's a movie called memento and Mm -hmm. that's a movie i think that's one of the first breakout movie from Christopher Nolan. But like okay. the way they tell stories, I think that one, the character has a short-term memory loss. So oh. he's basically recording everything in his body. And the movie is telling it from the present times going to the past because the the character doesn't remember everything that happened in the past. Mm-hmm. So the movie is showing and you know, that kind of storytelling to me is really interesting, but also, I think what you explained about reading sheet music and like having a story behind each chordal transitions or melodic progressions, that to me, we do that not only to help our memories, but I do really believe that we as the players, as the, as the interpreters of the work are justifying the transition in a way. So yeah. like not justifying in a in a sense that oh this is right or wrong. Mm-hmm. But if we don't believe that this transition was supposed to take here, mm-hmm. even from a story's perspective, I mean, you know, musically some people have the ability to just say I mean, you know, it's 1 2 4 to 5. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing meaningful more than that. And it's been done a million times. Yes, but <laughs> at the same time, why has that been used for so many times? And if you are yeah. going to get a work... Yeah, and what makes it different in this piece? Yeah, like you have to in a way justify and have you believe that that's the, that's the way it should be. You know, like I think that's what I learned when I did theater is that... I am reciting the words that other people have written. They are not my words. Yeah. Right? And I'm not being myself on the stage. 
So therefore, if I want to get into a certain kind of character, I have to justify to my, not to the audience and not to the author, but to myself as to why I'm saying this particular line in this particular context. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, it becomes meaningless. And if you as a performer find that meaningless, then the audience will find it meaningless too. Yeah. I really think that's one of the reasons why, like, when we read as an audience member just any fiction or novels, by visualizing it, we're kind of doing that. We're kind of justifying, oh, yeah, yeah, obviously. This is like, and and I don't know if you had this experience. If I read some books that, you know, I'm just going to use fiction because it's so hard to visualize nonfiction, Right? I mean, for me, at least it is. Yeah, or, like, especially, like, a textbook that doesn't, like... That doesn't use a lot of visual. That's not, like, based on, like, a a history textbook is easy to visualize. But, like, a science textbook for, like, a biology class. You know what I'm saying? Actually, I think if we're going to... No, math. I can't Mm, visualize math in a lot of ways. I could see some people being able to visualize math because, like... You can't visualize science? Well, I mean, when I'm reading it and I don't want to be reading it... (laughs) (laughs) See, but that's the the reason. That's the reason. If you really wanted to, I think science is easier to visualize than math. I think math could be because, like... One thing, like, I wish that they would, like, teach with math is, like... Math is, like, this universal explanation of the universe like all of these equations are actually like explaining how and why some things exist and like how and why some things work and like people don't appreciate that because they're just like you need to do your times tables or whatever when you're a kid but like oh i see but like i think for someone like i have friends who are like math minors and they really enjoy math i think they could like, if they were reading about it, they could I mean, visualize maybe, it. maybe, but my point is, like, I was just using that as an excuse to not go into nonfiction. But if I'm reading mm. a really... Because that's another thing. Nonfiction books, textbooks have different criteria of being good or bad. Yeah, for sure. Then, you know, like, fiction. So, like, that's why I'm clarifying this. Um, but if I'm reading a really, really bad book, badly written fiction... Mm-hmm. At first, I might start visualizing things, and then at a certain point, I can spot a mistake in a way, at least from my perspective of the author, if I stop visualizing because it does not make sense. Mm. Well, so, so it's a bad book for me. Well, what about right? like literature that might just be like difficult to read in a sense of like the language or like the style that they're writing in no i don't think it's that some like for me i I find it hard to visualize like gothic literature um do you know what i'm talking about just because of the style of the writing that it's in really yeah so like jekyll and hyde Oh, I haven't read that since I was a kid. That one, no. I enjoyed that one. 
Um, but I read like the House of the Seven Gables in like middle school or something, and I was just like, I, oh. <laughs> I was just like, I don't like this is like this. That was like a book for me that was hard to visualize, and no, I think it that's... was just like the style of the writing. But it's a good. I mean, it's like a good book, but or no, story. I think it's a good story. Mm-hmm. But it's not a good book for you to like just imagine yeah. like that's what i mean like i feel like that's being subjective right so like mm-hmm. there are certain books i've tried milk okay so like just to give you an example for me that's hemingway mm. which is really interesting because i feel like hemingway uses a lot of visual languages but mm-hmm. i oh my god i tried to read what is that the old man and the sea oh, i haven't read that I was like, I picked that up when I was in elementary school because I was like, oh, this is really short. Oh. Biggest, biggest and the worst mistake I've ever made of choosing a book. (laughs) I have not found a book. And and I tried it again in high school. Yeah. And you know what's bad? I could not get it in, get it, get it through to my head even when I was in high school. So maybe I should try it now, but like... Were you reading a translation of it? No. No, by the time... Well, I guess in elementary school, yeah. Okay. But uh, by the time I got to high school, I was reading everything in English. It's so... I don't know. It's like boring. It's, It's... To me, like... And the funny thing, again, is... That book, to me, was bad in a different way because, like... If I just can't imagine it because it's so outworldly and, mm-hmm. you know, like, I just have to believe what the book is telling well, what me. Are, well, then what do you think about, like, fantasy fiction? That's what I'm trying to say is oh, that, okay, like, okay. if the book is good, like, I'm not saying that just because I can't visualize things, that means it's bad. Yeah. So, like, there are two different, for me, two different categories of bad. So, okay. like, there's a book that the story really is like boring for me mm-hmm. personally the old man and the sea was that book okay. right so like i could imagine everything that was happening in the book because there's only ever two characters it's it's a large fish mm-hmm. <laughs> that the old man's chasing after and the old man <laughs> but like so like i can imagine a lot about like okay what the story is trying to convey but I was just not invested in the story, right? Yeah. So that's a bad story for me. Not necessarily a bad book, okay. I don't think. But some fantasy fictions, and it doesn't have to be fantasy fiction. When I say bad book in the second category, so like when I can't visualize it, mm-hmm. I don't think that's bad because the story is bad. Mm-hmm. So the author had a good idea, but some parts I'm like... You could have executed it either a little better, and chances are it's an author that are not really super well known. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not saying that all unknown authors are bad. It's just for me, some of the books like that, I'm like a little less engaged, mm. right? So that to me is 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 a bad thing. I love fantasy fiction. Fantasy fictions are pretty good. I, I mm. do remember though. Like, speaking about fantasy fictions, I read Harry Potter, like, as the movies were coming out. 
old are you? I'm 26. When did the first one came out when you when I was like born? I know. Well, or before I, I was born. Well, but I was remember the first and second book are not too long. It's okay. only ever getting into the third. Like so, the Prisoner yeah. of Azkaban is like three books all of a sudden, or it's much thicker. It's like divide. It could be divided into three books. Yeah. What is it? The Goblet of Fire has four. I think the biggest one is the Order of the Phoenix because I read all of the books in like yeah elementary yeah. middle school. No, that's right. I think that's true, which is funny as well because I remember reading the Order of the Phoenix and I was like, "Oh, this is really fun!" And I saw the movie and I was like, "This is the most boring Harry Potter movie I've ever seen," <laughs> which is so funny. But uh, like uh, now, I don't think it's no, the no, most no. boring one, but it's not my I, favorite. I think it was boring when I was a kid. Mm. When I was a, a little younger, it, like there's little less action. Yeah. There's a, until the last part of the movie. So. Yeah. But, well, when you get older, you can kind of see more of the like. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Well, the dialogue heavy scenes. Yeah, or just like you can see, like, Harry's journey. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I'm not okay. <laughs> Let's move on. I don't know how to articulate what I'm trying to no, say. No, but like I, I, I do remember reading Harry Potter, like Order of the Phoenix, um, Half Blood Prince. Which ones were your favorite books to read? Oh gosh, what do you mean? Like of just the, overall, of the seven. or of the seven? Uh I think I. I'm not going to lie. I think the one that I really, really enjoyed probably was Prisoner of Azkaban. That, I was going to say that too. Prisoner of Azkaban is my favorite. And it's also my favorite movie because it's of the movies. Okay, I like the the third and the fourth one are my favorites. Because they have Goblet my... Goblet of Fire? Yeah, because they have my favorite directors. I think David oh. Yates... David Yates was the director of the third film. And I like his stylistic choices. In that it movie, the all best. of a sudden became really dark. Yeah, because yeah. I think it fits the, the book narrative. the best, and I also yeah. think the fourth director—I don't remember his name—but he fit the just like flashiness of the games that were going on, and like I didn't like God, Little Fire. I I liked it, but The Prisoner of Azkaban was my favorite, but it was also my favorite book because it's like when all the tea begins to get spilled. Yes, yeah, like you get to find find out more about some of the other people Mm -hmm. it's like a major pieces of puzzle yeah kind of coming together the third one and the seventh one were my favorite story because the seventh one i was like seventh one it's the last one the deathly Deathly hollows okay because i was like oh my god this all makes so much sense now now some of it was like hitting it on the nose a bit hard um (laughs) But like, hey, every book has. But that hey, issue. like, twelve-year-old me was like really getting into it. <laughs> I loved it. Which twelve-year-old in the world was not getting into it? Honestly, I don't know because I was reading. I was like twelve when the last movie came out, so it was like I was reading the book and the last movie was coming out. So it was like big deal in my little world. Yeah, no, but I think I think it was yeah the third one, Prisoner of Azkaban to me was. Like, a lot easier to read. I remember finishing it, like, in, like, a week or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, I mean, you know, and I'm a slow reader. So, like, that was, 
so much more engaging. And I mm-hmm. think anyway, so like I think getting back to sort of the idea of like visualizing and like just, you know, using auditory cues. It's really I don't know. It's a fascinating topic partially because there is um a faculty member at at Uvell, so University of Louisville. She is in the Department of Psychology and she originally got her PhD in linguistics. So mm-hmm. I was like, what is she what is she doing in the Department of Psychology? No disrespect, but like she studies linguistics. Turns out her major research interests were to do with language development in children who are born deaf, right? So, mm-hmm. like, how do they develop language if they can't hear from the moment that they're basically, you know, they start to develop everything in mother's womb and then they're born, but they're born deaf. Like, completely deaf? Completely deaf. So, is there a way to stimulate the auditory senses in the brain? I think you can with, like, vibrations. Yeah, but her argument is that it's extremely difficult because the current mechanism, the current mechanism that we have is not enough to do that. So, like, Mm. the only way that it's stimulating, the way she described to me is really fascinating because she said to the kids who have that technology ingrained in their brain is only picking up, like, seven channels, right? Mm -hmm. But our normal hearing picks up, like, 45. Mm. So it's a fraction. And... There's a less understanding of figuring out what they mean. Like, so, like, they mm-hmm. they will struggle more with understanding other people's emotion because they're not they're not hearing the tone of their voices in the way that we do. You yeah. know how, like, people who get excited, they have a certain tone, right? Like, yeah, it usually gets, like, higher pitch. Yeah. They don't hear that. They only hear, like, a, basically, you know, like, how robots are in the movies or portrayed like speaking mm-hmm. very monotone that's basically what they hear it's a very digital digitalized speech pattern are they wearing hearing aids is that what you mean it's not a hearing aid she had a different thing i i forgot because like i mean she implant? has a oh yeah 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 okay. i think it's an implant so but you know like things like that i think so where was I going with it? It's just like the way we kind of start to realize how hearing and sometimes hearing helps us more, you know, to remember important parts of it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but like, this is the next parter is that. I mean, I feel like some of the memories that we have, we don't have the visual memory clearly but it becomes clearer because of the sound i think you could say that about all of the senses like if you like smell a candle and it takes you back yeah that's true too yeah but yeah i mean i see how that how that could work i don't know multi-sensory like aspects to me is fascinating because Mm -hmm. that's 
like engaging all of that is accomplished through the arts. So that's yeah. what that's what I really like. And I I think you know when I was a when I was in high school, I used to think the highest, well, not the highest art form, but my favorite was musical theater for the longest time, because I thought that had everything right. I mean, dance, music, yeah, and and stage design, lighting, mm-hmm. like Good you could feel the energy. But the more I get older, the less I'm attracted to. At some point, I kind of felt like, wow, this is just phenomenal. But it feels so two-dimensional, even though it's completely three-dimensional. Like, the way I was perceiving musical theater at some point, I was like, even as an audience, I was like, yeah, this is fine and dandy, but, like, why is this so... It's, yeah, it's good, Mm -hmm. but, like, there... So, like, I've... I became more cautious of liking musicals. There are only a handful of musicals that I like. I don't like any musicals. Well, I know you don't. <laughs> I'm but not I'm a just... fan of musicals, except for High School Musical. I watched that one as a kid. Not a real musical. Just... <laughs> I don't know. That's the only one I remember watching and enjoying. Sorry to all the musical theater fans <laughs> out there. And anyone I've offended on Broadway. <laughs> Like Broadway people are gonna listen. To this. <laughs> no, but I just you know like I I've 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 gone to appreciate other other art forms more. So yeah, I think I don't know. It's just fascinating. <laughs> <laughs>